Welcome to the Daily Dad Podcast, where we provide one lesson every single day to help you with your most important job, being a parent. I'm Ryan Holiday, and I draw these lessons from ancient philosophy, modern psychology, practical wisdom, and insights from parents just like you all over the world. Thank you for listening, and we hope this helps. Hey, it's Ryan. Welcome to another weekend episode of the Daily Dad Podcast. We're kicking off 2022 with some tips for a better you. Uh, you you've probably listened to some of my conversations with my writing partner, Niels Parker, and I. And uh, here are some thoughts that Niels and I have kicked around over the last year. One, how to maintain positive habits and routines. Uh, as we've said before, things are not returning to normal. We are in a fortunately kind of forever pandemic world or a world forever changed by the pandemic. How do you develop and maintain positive habits and routines as a parent, as a productive member of society, as a professional at whatever it is that you do? And so we're going to talk about some habits that Niels and I have developed that I think are going to be beneficial. And then related to this, because there have been positive habits and negative habits, I think all of us are spending more time than we like or should be on our devices. And so Niels and I also kick around uh, managing screen time as a parent, how to keep our attention focused on what matters, our kids, not on our email, Twitter, whatever, how to get out of the doom scrolling loop, all of that, um, and uh, just, just what we're up against with these devices. So in today's episode, we've got some tips for a better you in 2022. Hey, it's Ryan Holiday. Welcome to another weekend episode of the Daily Dad Podcast. Sometimes we do some extended riffing on certain topics. Sometimes we do uh, best of clips from uh, the Daily Stoic podcast. And then on some of my favorite days, I kick some topics around with my writing partner, Niels Parker, also the parent of a young child. Niels, I was thinking about this. Um, you know, people talk about like things going back to normal. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I sort of joked like, Normal is what caused this. So wanting to go back to normal seems like a mistake. Um, and and the reality is there's no such thing as normal. But one of the things I was thinking about, I've been trying to sort of make a list of like habits or practices that I've picked up from sort of pandemic slash bubble uh, quarantine life that I want to keep going. Um, and so I thought we could kick those around. I would say one of the big ones uh, that I want to keep going is like, I haven't gotten sick in like 18 months and it's incredible. And so just like, just the idea of like, like they were, they were talking about like, not only are, are do, do masks and stuff work obviously for the COVID, but like when they look at flu deaths over the last mm -hmm. year, like it's been incredible, but just, I've just been thinking of like actually being like, it's kind of incredible how indifferent we were to germs, hygiene, being around disgusting, you know, stupid strangers. I think that, like, how do you, I think the idea of not just accepting being pointlessly sick all the time is yeah. like one of the biggest things I'm taking away from this. Absolutely. Oh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful now that we have like i have a supply of different kinds of masks for mm -hmm. 
the the first time that like I start feeling sniffles come on or I will comes home from someplace and he's he sort of has a little cold like I know that when I have to go out I'm going to mask up sort of in the Japanese model yeah. cuz I don't want to be that guy who walks into the whole foods and you know gets 100 starts spreading around cold and flu germs to 100 people when I know that I have something that is communicable and I think not just raising the level of awareness that like that's how this happens but now also having the 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 mask sort of infrastructure at at our disposal and understanding how it works I think is something that I'm I'm going to hold on to and if there's one place that I'm going to like bully people it's going to be if if I hear you sniffling or coughing and you're not masked up or covered up and you're in a public place we're going to have a conversation. Like, well, I love I love that about you know the, there was the set of breakthrough uh, infections uh, for the Yankees uh, early in the baseball season this year. Yeah, and people are like, how could this happen? Well, what happened was was that uh, a coach showed up to the the facility thinking he was only sick, right? Like like obviously, which is ridiculous during a pandemic, but just the idea that like it it was acceptable to bring illness into um like this environment of elite athletes who can't afford to get sick like just just the way that people would be like oh yeah he's sick should we send him to daycare or not and it's like no no you should not how could we be any clearer about this um yeah that that's a that's a huge one for me i think the other interesting part about it is so Sam's, uh, my wife's parents, uh, have, are here. They're vaccinated. We're vaccinated. All members of our sort of, uh, extended family are vaccinated, but they've gone and visited, uh, their other grandkid, uh, twice now in the last couple months. The first time they went and came back, uh, didn't get COVID. Thankfully, that's what the vaccine is for. But like the, the day they left their, uh, the, the kid came home from, from daycare and had been exposed to RSV and had RSV. Um, and then, and then, uh, and then they just, they just came back recently and they found out like the day after they came home that, uh, the, the kid had pink eye. And, and so like not, not being able to obviously predict the future, but, but because of COVID we had in, in both cases, we're like, we're just not going to see you for like a couple days after you come home. Right. And because like you were on an airplane, you're around strangers and strangers are disgusting. But in, in both cases, we ended up being completely right. Right. That, that like they were gone, they came back and they got exposed to something. It was like amazing to me in retrospect, how sort of blase we were about flying or being around strangers in small metal tubes for extended periods of time or just walking through an airport. I remember, like, I, I'm saying we, uh, I, let's say I was much more ignorant of it. I remember I came home uh, once from the airport and then I like put my suitcase on the bed and I was like unpacking it. My wife was like, get your fucking suitcase on the bed. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? You probably wheel that into a bathroom. You wheel it. And, but like, we just accepted that you would get sick for no reason, like all the time. And it's, it wasn't no reason. It was, we were, covering ourselves in germs for no reason and then wondering why we got sick all the time yeah and there's this there's this argument you know when kids are little that the value of 
letting them cover themselves in germs is that it builds up their robust immune system and they become more capable of fighting off infection later on in life. And there, there's definitely some epidemiology that backs that up and it, it obviously makes sense. But to, to Sam's point, it's like, not only are you rolling a suitcase through a, uh, basically a germ factory, but as a, as a society, we are not the best at strengthening our, our, our own immune systems as we get older. In fact, we let them weaken by lack of diet. I mean, obviously, you're an exception. You stay in good shape. But 95% of the people out there are basically ticking time bombs on the immune system side. And they yeah. walk through that bathroom. Like, go through O'Hare at 8 in the morning. It's, that is not That is ground zero for something. Yeah. No, no. And so, right. It means I think it's limiting unnecessary exposure to germs. It's also uh, being uh, in good shape and taking care of your immune system and all that. So I think a big one is like, just like, hey, illness, constant illness does not have to be a fact of life. And in fact, we were exacting a, a massive toll on ourselves, on our family, on the economy by getting sick all the time. I think the, the the other one I've been thinking about a lot, I think I did an episode about this recently, but just like all that we were looking back at some some photos in our phone and we were just like, why were we doing all this stuff? Like, why did we why did we fly with two young kids to go to like these people's wedding that we don't really even like that much? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that was so stressful. We fought. The kids were miserable. They came down with something on the way home, you know, bada, bada, bada. Like, why? Why? You know, why did we go out for pizza? It, it, yes, it's difficult to cook, but it's also difficult to put two kids in a car seat, drive them to a restaurant, sit around, wait for your food, drive home at night, which isn't that great. You know, like, just yeah. the amount of pointless activity that we engaged in and then wondered, why aren't the kids sleeping? Why, why do they, why is their nap schedule intermittent? You know, why are they this, that, or the other? It's like, because you're so busy that your whole life is chaos. And, and I think sort of normal in, in COVID was just doing a lot less stuff and realizing just how much happier and healthier that made everyone. Yeah. Doing a lot less stuff in the same place. And then at creating, I think, greater and deeper meaning and value to the things that you did do when you were in that space. There was this sense like you want to, you know, it, dirt before COVID in the sort of the normal days, quote unquote, the when things got tough or or fraught, you wanted to escape the place that you were in. Like yeah. it would it, it's if you had a tough day, the last thing you want to do is stand right where you are and cook for 45 minutes for when you could go someplace else and get the uh, dopamine hit of the, the pepperoni pizza or whatever it is. But you, when you couldn't do that in COVID, you had to figure out how to do everything you needed to do, get through all that stuff and uh, and sort of find some happiness uh, where you lived. And it, I think it... it it expanded what you could, what home meant for a lot of people um, in a way that they didn't expect uh, to find as they worked through all that mess. Every time it comes in the mail, I get excited, my kids get excited, and uh, my father-in-law, who's also hooked on it, also gets excited. 
talking about Magic Spoon, the cereal that I love. I even invested in the company. Magic Spoon is healthy, delicious, tasty cereal, but you can eat Magic Spoon because it's not terrible for you. Magic Spoon cereal has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Go to magicspoon.com slash dailydad to grab a custom bundle of cereal and start your new year off right. Be sure to use promo code dailydad at checkout to save five bucks off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free delicious cereal at magicspoon.com slash dailydad. Use the code DAILYDAD to save five bucks. And thank you to Magic Spoon for not only sponsoring this episode, but filling my belly with many delicious bowls of your delightful cereal. Well, I think that expla- explains some of this weird kind of housing, uh, you know, uh, crazy market that we're in. It, yes, it's it's that they haven't been building nearly enough houses for like a decade now. But I would say it's also in largely... Um, and look, some states respond to the pandemic good, and, and now there's you know freedom. You can work where you want, whatever. But I think a huge part of it is like people just spent 18 months in their house or eight months in their house for the longest extended period they've ever been there and realized undeniably that they do not like where they live. And they were like, life is too short for that. It's uh-huh. not that they're like, oh, well, I wouldn't want to endure another pandemic here. You know, like it's not it's not like, well, if I'm going to experience lockdowns, I should live in the country. It's more like, oh, I actually don't like the city. I was just too busy to uh, accept that. And now I realize life is too short not to live where you want to live. And so I think like for us, it was like, wow, we really do not like our house and it is not set up well and we need to fix we either need to move or we need to fix that because like uh-huh. when you strip out all the other things that make you frustrated or annoyed or stressed out, um, it really highlights how much your environment is in, is affecting your happiness or your peace of mind or, you know, your family rhythm and just sort of going like, okay, the new normal is also going to be, how do I want to live and where do I want to live? Yeah, it, and it gets real granular really fast with with respect to those decisions. We saw that like we were we renovated our kitchen and our master bedroom basically half before COVID and half uh, during COVID. And you know, it, as typical with any sort of larger construction project, there's a lot of little finishes that happen after the all the major construction is complete, and that happened smack in the middle of COVID. And it took forever to get those things finished because there were shortages of all of these supplies because everybody was redoing stuff in their house. Yeah. It was it was not as much, I can't stand where I live. It's that I can't stand what- How sp- I live. How I live and the space I live in. So like decks are getting built, bedrooms are getting expanded, kitchens are getting redone because they spent so much time in that kitchen and it was non-functional and it was miserable and they were hitting their head on the oven hood. Like I heard stories from our contractor every week of something like that where they every single person in the supply chain or in the service chain for home renovation was was booked out a year because people were just like I can't live like this anymore. I'm not we can't escape to Chuck E Cheese, we can't escape to the bait, to the ball game, we can't escape to the lake house or to grandma's house. 
we've got to make something of where we are now and where we are now sucks. <laughs> and, and people like they, they started making changes. You uh, let's do one more. Is there anything that you've sort of taken from, uh, from, from quarantine life or COVID life that you're, you're carrying forward? I am carrying forward the idea that there are not, you don't have to see everybody. Yeah, sure. That you like that you have you have a lot of people on your Christmas card list. You got a lot of contacts on your phone. You don't have to see all of them, and you definitely don't have to touch everybody. Like I, I was at the Bucks game last night, the game three of the finals, and we were in the suite with that our bank brought us to the game, and in the suite next to us there were these two guys. Nobody was masked, obviously, because of course. And as the as the game was going on, they're running up and down the aisles, high fiving everybody. I'm like, "There's a bunch of quarantines." Yeah, like I don't need to touch that guy. Like it's we're we're mutually excited about the thing that's going on because we're pulling for the same team. That doesn't mean we need to touch each other. Yes, like, and I was I shook hands all the time. Like I, you know, I'm not a huge like let's hug a stranger thing but i had no problem with physical proximity and stuff like that but now it's just sort of like we don't need we can use our words and our eye contact and we don't need to we don't have to social distance by six feet but we can keep that personal space and be very conscious of it and i was not as conscious of my personal space um being invaded like that uh, or impinged upon before and now I am hyper conscious of that for all of us. And I'm going to keep that going uh, for as long as possible, whether it's lines or airports or what have you. Like, let's just. Let's- no, let's just stay stay away from. I, I totally agree. It's and I'm obviously I'm super introverted and, and somewhat awkward. So I, it's more natural for me. But it's just like, yeah, like, look let's i walk halfway into the or i'll walk a quarter of the way into the room you walk a quarter of the way into the room and we'll leave half there in the middle between us you know like yeah like we've acknowledged each other we don't need to we don't need to get up and close to each other like i remember we were driving uh in in arizona and we were trying to get some directions uh from someone and the guy walked this is like in the depths of the pandemic we were on a road trip and this guy walked over to like stick his head in the window to give us directions. It was like, Whoa. bro, like, like <laughs> hand, pandemic aside, I don't need your head in my car. You know, like, like yeah. shout the directions from 10 feet away. Like, and then let's, let's, let's uh, forget this ever happened. You know, like we, we don't need to, we're, we're not dogs. We don't need to like sniff each other's butts. Like let's, let's just stay. This, this can just be a quick transactional connection and we'll both move on. Yeah, and I hope, like, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in terms of behaviorally, especially with Americans, is, like, if you're in a large public space and there is gaps between people, there's this there's this assumption that somebody's going to, like, get in front of you or steal yeah. your spot or advance ahead of you. And I see it. I saw it at the game last night. I've seen it, you know, in a, I've seen it at the farmer's market in line for peaches. Like, people are are but you know they're yeah. head to butt and it's like you don't nobody's gonna steal your space nobody's gonna steal your peaches nobody's gonna steal your bratwurst like if we recognize that we all have this personal space that we need to keep to protect ourselves from this shit coming back at us like just take it easy everything will go smoothly 
it's the same number of people. It's not just because the line looks like it's twice as long because there's a gap between us does not mean it's going to take twice as long. And well, that, it's like, I hope get, that shit get your effect. It's a get your affection from your family. <laughs> like have your little, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I think the idea is yeah. like, we had these pods, right? Like it was like, these are the people that are in the pod for us. It was just our, like just the four of us. But then, you know, then our in-laws came. So then in six, but it's just like, these are the people we touch. We're going to keep things circulating in these six people, but uh, everyone else, it's just like, like, we don't need to hug, you know, we're, we're work acquaintances, you know, like uh, we don't, we don't need to touch each other. Good to see you. I'll wave from 10 feet away and then let's, uh, let, let's keep our distance. Yeah. And it's, but instead what you get a lot with a lot of people is like a doubling down on the hugs and the fan shakes and the, and the daps as a way as like a recognition of like, okay, it's over now. Now everything is, is normal again. It's, it's like this release valve for people. It's like, no, we can learn and evolve from where we are. There's other ways to be together with people. Like, like let's, let's learn from this and make, make the contact that we do have with people. Like you said, valuable inside that pod. Like let's make it mean something again. Like I don't, I don't need to hug everybody. Like, I don't want to hug everybody. Totally. I wanted to talk about screen time because I have noticed that it is just, I go in waves where it sort of doesn't, it isn't a problem. And then other times it definitely is a problem. And then you can just feel like it's, I mean, clearly like almost all the time my kids are acting up or something happens, like what is the one thing they all have in common? I was on my phone. I don't, I don't know if that's true for you, Niels. Oh, a hundred percent to the point where like my son, he has, he's 16 months and he will, he will actually stick his head in between my face and the screen. Right. <laughs> and look at me like, uh, there's a baby here. And, and if I don't pay enough attention or adjust what I'm doing, the acting up, uh, begins uh, within a matter of moments. Yeah, it's it's weird though cuz I was thinking about like, you know, like let's say it's breakfast and you guys are all sitting around the table and and uh on the one hand you judge yourself for using the phone, you know the phone is not good. But I remember sitting around the breakfast table and my parents were reading the newspaper, right? So it there's kind of this weird like judginess about using the phone and in fact, it's not that different than uh, you know, previous coping mechanisms i guess i guess what i'm saying is like it's very hard to be present and basically no one is ever present it's just the extremeness of our sort of fleeing from presentness is embodied all in one singular device so it's really hard to deny that we have that proclivity because and the phone can record and update you every week exactly how much time on average, you spent not being present. And it's what I've noticed with the phone, especially in contrast to something like a newspaper, is that it it sucks you in so completely that you are you're not just not present, you are absent. You like it the phone sucks you in. And the way the newspaper doesn't, I think just because there's a physical action going on there's crinkling noise you've got to turn pages you're never not physically there and with the phone it's just a it's an easy swipe and there's just no real gestures and you're gone and 
it's it's crazy how quickly that absorption happens. Yeah, it's true. Like it, it, if you're doing something else, you're sort of like, yeah, uh-huh, whatever. And then uh, with the phone, it's like, you know, I've been talking to you for five minutes. And you're like, <laughs> I have no recollection of that happening whatsoever. Like it is a level of sort of being consumed that I don't, even watching TV, like it, it just, it just, you're just sucked in in a level that, yeah, nothing basically is is comparable to. And it gets, you know, the older your kids get, the faster they move and the more danger that they encounter uh, in those seconds and minutes that you're you're sucked in. I'm noticing that now, like, Will can reach the tops of counters and he can get across the room in an instant. And I, I can't afford with he's fast and strong and has major grip strength. And all of those things are a recipe for disaster if you are uh, absorbed in Instagram for 90 seconds. Well, and the, the Instagram is a good point because it's like, what what were you consumed with, right? It wasn't, it, let's say one out of 50 times, it's like a super important work email or it's breaking news that some massively important thing happened and you have to get into a uh, storm shelter because the tornado's coming. But I would say the vast majority of the time, it's like, I was watching a funny TikTok or like I was reading, uh, you know, uh, an in-depth article about a tell, uh, like I was reading a, a recap about a television show that I watched. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's totally pointless, but it does consume you. Or worse with, and what TikTok does really well, that's so insidious is that it, it puts it on that auto loop. So you're not only watching a funny TikTok, you're watching it for like the third time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what are we doing? No, we have, uh, obviously with Daily Stoic, we have a TikTok and it's like doing really well. And like, I do not have it on my phone and I won't have it on my phone. One, because I think there's like some some privacy issues or whatever from what I've understood about TikTok, but it's also yeah. just like, it's all downside. Like, don't even think about it. it this is... This is like putting, I think what I try to remind myself about the phone, and there's a great book called Indistractable by Nir Eyal mm -hmm. that people should read. And then there's also a Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Both of, uh, both guys are parents and, uh, you know, sort of talk about this both from a productivity side and a parenting side. But you have to realize that literally the smartest people in the world are being paid obscene amounts of money to figure out how to make that device as addictive as humanly possible. Like in the same way you understand that psychologists and designers and, uh, and, and, and similarly intelligent minds were designed, uh, went into designing casinos to be manipulative and addictive. Yeah. Um, and just as, you know, drugs uh chemists worked to you know exploit your biology and neurology the phone itself is a collective effort of millions of people who have worked very hard to exploit every part of your pathology to make this addictive in a way that a newspaper is a but and and was for a very long time, a bunch of smart writers thinking about how to make good writing. Yeah. You know, it wasn't designed to render you psychologically defenseless against the newspaper. Yeah. And I think one of the things that 
newer parents need to really reckon with is that if you, let's say you've got a, or even just like somebody in your position where you've got two kids under six, it's like, they've got a, basically a 14 year head start on how to hook you. Like this, this isn't a new evolution in the technology that you've got in your hand. They've been iterating on this from basically the earliest days of social media. So as strong and as smart, as well-intentioned as you think you are, there's 10, 12, 14 years of habitual behavior that you've got to not only try to unwind, but recognize that it's happening first as you're trying to do the right thing for your kids. No, I think that's right. You take a casino, obviously they they have some mechanism to evaluate whether their uh, tactics or or design decisions are having an impact. You know, they've got closed circuit television, they can sort of check, you know, revenue receipts and, and they can look at little things here or there. Even television though, you think about like what Nielsen is. Nielsen, it's almost amazing how unscientific television is. It's like, we have a, like a handful of boxes in like a minuscule percentage of people's homes and we kind of have some sense of what they're working on, what they're watching, what they're not watching. You know, maybe they're watching the commercials, maybe they're not. You know, there's so little data, yeah. right? But it's it's I think what makes the phone and and the computer and and all these devices so much more addictive, and you have to understand why it's you know exponentially more uh, uh, manipulative, is that they have data from literally every person, including you, on on your usage, on what you're clicking, and and that it's being iterated in real time, not just according to what do people generally do, but it's also being manipulative and and updating itself to encourage specific habits that it sees in you, right? So, so it's not just like, hey, if we show a video after this video, like auto... Uh, uh, infinite scroll or, or autoplay that people will on average watch a little bit more. It's also, if I put this kind of content in front of this person based on what I have seen them spend time doing, I know they will watch. So, so you're being gamed. It, it's not just how do we increase usage? It's how do we increase usage from Ryan Holiday or from Niels Parker? And it's it's very verifiable and trackable. So it's you are essentially defenseless against these things. And so you really have to decide what are you going to enable and what are you not going to enable. And I think, you know, making some early decisions or or strong decisions yeah. right now about I'm turning off these alerts. I'm not installing these apps. I'm leaving my phone in the car when I come home where I'm putting it, you know, in a drawer one day a week, you have to make real decisions like that. It's really the only way you're going to maintain. I don't sleep with my phone in the room. These are the decisions that you've got to make if you want to have some semblance of sobriety from your devices. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is it sounds it sounds very hard and it sounds like we're we're asking people to do something that's just completely sort of antithetical to the to the world in which we live. But I was, I was watching uh, Jocko on Lex Friedman's podcast the other day. And Lex asked him, like, what's the best martial art for self-defense? And his answer was running away. Like, <laughs> like the, the way that you avoid 
the messiness of physical conflict, of fighting, of of all of the unseen and unknowable inevitabilities of of a physical conflict is to run the hell away if you have the ability. And he's like, that's what I'm going to do 99% of the time. And I think that's basically what we're saying with respect to these devices at some level is that there's no in-app strategy for fighting against what the phone is designed to make you do. You have to get away from it. You have to separate yourself from it to be successful in what we're talking about. You want to get to a place where you're using the phone and the phone is not using you. And that just, yeah. that begins with some very clear boundaries. The other thing I would add in there, because I think parents, you know, think about one, your own phone usage and how it impacts your, your parenting. But then, of course, also what effect these devices have on our kids themselves. But I think one of the things that I heard that I really liked was... Um, like think about all the things they said about television like 20 30 40 years ago and can you really are like there was a lot of hand wringing you know like it's going to make people stupid yeah, it's going to uh, rot their you, brains that yeah, was blah, the big blah, blah, blah. yeah and and that seems kind of uh overblown and, and histrionic but now if you step back it's kind of hard to argue that they weren't right like we can't think we had a reality star television, or we had a reality television star president. You know, like, like yeah. really, uh, like we can't have civil debates. We can't think about things in depth. We lack critical thinking. Um, we, you know, like the the people do read uh, great books less. You know, it, yeah. it's, people's attention span has shrunk. Bah 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 bah. They were right. And yeah. so there's a lot of people saying extreme stuff about tech now, but they're probably right. You yeah. know, the scripted, it's interesting, the scripted and unscripted content on television for, over the last 15 years is designed for rotted brains. Like yeah. <laughs> they, they, it is not meant for uh, stimulating uh, the, the part of active, curious brains that, What's interesting is the tech platforms are now the home for that kind of content to the extent that it exists. But television, as we understood it when those phrases were coming out, has actually borne out those those fears of like, this nonsense is going to rot some of these people's brains. And then it rotted them. And now we're creating content for the rotted brain. Yeah, it's interesting. Like when you, if you don't watch a lot of like regular television, like let's say network television, um, Let's say you you just watch like good cable television or you know you know uh, long form stuff on like Netflix or Amazon or whatever, um, or like even worse if you you don't watch a lot of television at all, maybe you only watch sports and then you read a lot or, or whatever, um, then you'll turn on something like some big network show that maybe you're not familiar with, like, and I don't want to be snooty about it, you, like, but you, let's say you watch like an episode of The Big Bang Theory or something, um, you're like what is this? This is like, like how stupid is it? You have to watch like 10 or 15 episodes to like get into a lower frame of consciousness where you're able to just accept the preposterousness of the universe. And that's a show about like, you know, Caltech scientists. It's supposed to be like smart, right? Yeah. You watch, you watch these shows and you're like, what this like all the things strike you as so unfamiliar right like a laugh track or like the weird hamming it up for the camera um you're just like 
you, you realize like your brain is normally functioning at a higher level and you actually have to like dim it down a few levels to get what's going on here, like to, to enjoy it. And it's probably like, I think like if you don't watch like a couple of years ago, I watched like the MTV music awards or something. And I was like, oh, what wow. is this? like, it was so transparently stupid in the sense of like, like, you just watched a bunch. Of, it just I, I just noticed like, man, these people are trying really, really hard, right? Um, whereas like, you know, a younger me would have felt like, oh, these people are so cool. But like being out of step with it a little bit, you could sense how sort of out of tune it is, right? Um, I think it's the same with Twitter or Facebook or whatever. When you're in it, the universe makes sense. When you step away from it and then you come back in it, it really does strike you just how unnatural and exploitative it is. Yeah, I've seen recently, especially on Twitter, people, smart, accomplished academic people with real positions of influence talking about how, you know, like, you know, this is this is our world. Like, this is this is the world we live in. It's like, no, 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 no. This is the fake world that you have chosen to spend yeah. your your time in. The the real world is the one when you log off your phone and turn to your wife or your husband that you touch with your hands. That's the real world. This no, that's this right. chaos is something that you have chosen to separate yourself from the real world to connect with. It is not it is not the world we live in. It is the yeah. world you've chosen. You're like who talks like this and it's like someone who's picked up on the the dysfunctional logic and brain waves of this given platform. Yeah. And and then accepted it because it has become sort of the four walls of their their mental universe. It feels like there's nothing real outside of it, which is probably why NFTs have been so successful. The idea <laughs> that we could sell something digital that's not real because there's this generation of people out there whose entire lives are in the digital space uh, sort of tells you where we're headed with, and what the technology's really done and how far it's sunk its roots in. Yeah, that's right. So look, the, the message of today's episode is put your phone down. It's making you a worse person. It's definitely making you a worse parent. Uh, you don't have to completely limit your kid's usage, but like you should realize that uh, you are subjecting them to, in the same way you wouldn't want them to drink or smoke cigarettes or, you know, be in a casino, uh, these same forces are acting on your children as well. Yeah, from the beginning. From on purpose yes. for for purposes that are not aligned with your goals for your child creating a very wicked feedback loop that is difficult to bust absolutely awesome man well i will talk to you soon sounds good